Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. Hi, I'm Mark Tapper. And every few weeks, I come into the studio and make a commercial for our family's stores, Tapper's Jewelry. We meet a wide variety of people at our three locations across Metro Detroit, and our goal is to be inviting to everyone we serve. We didn't get where we are by acting all exclusive. In fact, that word exclusive has always bothered me because exclusive implies exclusion, and that sounds like you're leaving people out. My father, Howard Tapper, created Tapper's Jewelry with a culture of inclusion. We believe everyone has a story to tell, if you just take the time to listen. My dad did things the hard way, designed his first store on a scrap piece of paper, opened and closed tappers himself every day for years. Yeah, it's kind of humbling. And we're grateful for his guidance as we continue to grow. Come and meet the Tapper family. And if you're lucky enough to catch dad at work, ask him to show you that scrap piece of paper. I'm Mark Tapper. Thanks for listening to a bit of our story. Stephen Semple and Dave Young here. Stephen, you're in Ontario, Canada, and I'm down here in Austin, Texas. And of course, today we're going to be talking about Canadian beer, eh? That's right. How's it going, eh? Hey, you hoser. <laughs> you mentioned that we're going to be talking about Cremor Brewery. Yeah. And this is one that's unfamiliar to me. I mean, when I was in college, we liked Canadian beer. A lot of my friends and I drank a lot of Labatt's Blue and Molson in those little barrel-shaped bottles or cans or whatever it was. This one didn't start till after I was even gone from there. So Cremor Brewery, what's the deal? Yeah, and it's actually called Cremor Springs. So if you're Mm. wanting to Google it, it's Cremor Springs, C-R-E-E-M-O-R-E, Springs. And they are now part of Molson's Brewery. Molson's bought them back in 2005, and they were a private company, so... We don't exactly know what they were sold for, but industry sources sort of think the number was around $25 million. And given that they started in 1987 and then were sold in 2005 for $25 million, that's not a bad little return on investment. That ain't a bad run for some people that just like to make beer. That's right. It was started by a guy by the name of John Wiggins. And John Wiggins fell in love with this little community called Cremor. And here's what I got to explain. So I live in Collingwood, which is two hours north of Toronto. And if you were driving from Toronto to Collingwood, the quote-unquote highway that you drive on is a twisty-turny two-lane road, right? (laughs) Okay. Cremor is off of that road. (laughs) It's not even off. It's not even on that so-called highway. It is off of that so-called highway about 20 minutes south of me. It's this little tiny village that really, frankly, no one knew was there. And John had a ski chalet not too far away from Cremor and fell in love with the little village. And at the time, he was a graphic designer. And he decided that anyone in town, he would do a design for, for free. And it's really cool because when you're in Cremor today, you still see a bunch of his work. And it was really spectacular and gave the village a nice little feel. Nice. Then in the mid-80s, he came down with very serious arthritis and couldn't do design work any longer. But he still wanted to do something. And his buddy was a master brewer. 
hey, let's start making beer. So they took over a warehouse in town and decided to turn it into a brewery out in the middle of freaking nowhere, an hour and a half north of Toronto in 1987, when craft beer was really not a thing yet. Right. In 1987, you start a beer company, you're going up against the big boys. You're going up against the big boys. And even the few craft brewers that were around, quite frankly, weren't making great product. And at the time in Ontario, beer distribution was very restrictive. And so they had a lot of challenges ahead of them. So what they did was they started this radio campaign. They did a radio campaign talking about Cremor. But you know how we've talked in the past about this whole idea of romanticizing an idea, Mm -hmm. like trying to bring a romantic feel to it rather than educating people. They could have done what most breweries would do and say, we've got this great quality product that's, you know, brewed with this really nice spring water, right? That's what most people would do. Sure. Yeah. Well, they stumbled across this really interesting idea, and that was the Bavarian Purity Act of 1516. And the Bavarian Purity Act was passed on April 23rd, 1516, by the Duke of Bavaria, Wilhelm IV. Okay. And he set out this law which regulated the purity of ingredients allowed to be in beer sold within the kingdom of Bavaria. And the only ingredients allowed were barley, hops, and water. And of course, today, yeast. Yeah. They had yeast in it. They just didn't know it then. Basically. It wasn't until 1857 that they discovered, oh my God, there's this yeast in there. (laughs) (laughs) They were brewing beer to this standard of no preservatives and no pasteurization and none of this stuff going on. But instead of saying, hey, we're doing it without these things, what they chose to do was run these ads talking about, we brew our beer to the Bavarian Purity Act of 1516. Right. All the other beer companies ignore the Bavarian Purity Purity Act Act. of 1516. (laughs) But it gave it this romantic feel, right? Sure, yeah. That we're brewing beer to that standard. And everybody recognized German beer as being really good, right? Yeah, this is old school standard fare, right? Even if somebody else was brewing to that standard, they owned it because they were the first to talk about it. At that point, everybody else is a me too. Everybody else is a me too at that point. This is a game that if we go back to early 20s, was done by Stroh's. You know, Stroh's was a really tiny brewery and they decided to run these ads talking about how they cleaned the bottles, the standard that they went to in terms of washing the bottles. If you wash the bottles to that standard, imagine the care you take brewing the beer and it launched Stroh's into a major brand this campaign. And the funny thing is, it was a standard everybody washed the bottles at. <laughs> well, you'd hope so, right? <laughs> Be like Chevy saying, we put brakes on our cars. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Brought to you by the Least Full of Shit Marketers Association of America. Yes, that's a low bar, but we clear it mightily. We're also the largest pay-per-performance branding group in North America, and that part's for reals. If you're looking for advertising advice geared towards local owner-operated companies, this is your podcast. 
And now you can pick the brains of these advertising geniuses over lunch without having to pay for lunch or even leave your office. We're talking 90 minutes of straight answers to all your burning questions about lead generation, customer acquisition, mass media branding, how to get off the paper crack treadmill, anything you want. And the only coin required is candor because we can't give no bullshit advice without basing it off no BS data on your company, competitive landscape, operations, and all that jazz. We send you a pre-Zoom questionnaire. You fill it out candidly and boom, Bob's your uncle, you're in like Flynn, and we'll be frank as fuck in giving you the straight scoop on all the advertising and business growth questions you always wanted to know, but were too afraid to ask. You'll also get our no pitching and no bitching guarantee. No pitching means we won't pitch you or try to sell you in any way. If you want more after 90 minutes, you'll have to ask. And no bitching means if you don't think the meeting was worth your 90 minutes, we'll send you a hundred bucks. Consider it us picking up the tab for lunch and putting our money where our mouth is. Sound like a not-so-full-of-shit offer? Well, that is what we're known for. Take us up on it at empirebuildersprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. Cremor did campaigns around this Bavarian Purity Act and talking about, you know, the Duke of Bavaria. But then they also ran ads talking about the village of Cremor and this little tiny village that no one knew existed in the things going on in Cremor and, and how quaint Cremor is. It gave it this very quaint quality sort of feel to the point where today Cremor is a bustling little village where, you know, there's all sorts of cafes and art galleries and all this other stuff because people started traveling the Cremor to visit the brewery to do tastings and whatnot. And Cremor even you know, we're in a slightly different bottle and they would talk about why it was in this type of bottle. But again, it was all of this stuff where they really leaned into romanticizing it. Yeah, I love it. I love yeah. it. There's probably a book to be written on brewing and fermenting and distilling tourism and its impact. Our sort of shirt tail cousins at the Crowded Barrel Distillery, I see it every day on campus here in Austin, is people travel from a long ways just to come sit in the distillery and taste the product that they've been following on YouTube and wherever. And so it has a big effect and breweries have their own followings and they go from one to another. And so that's awesome that he kind of put Cremor on the map in a way, huh? Well, he very much actually did put Cremor on the map. And it's also really interesting, you know, how tourism and breweries and distilleries and all those things go together. Because a number of years ago when I was in Nashville, when we were at the partner meeting in Nashville, I took extra time and did a whole bunch of bourbon tours, right? I was down in that area and so made it a bit of a vacation. But it can also be a strategy on the flip side if you're a brewery. So, for example... The town that I live in is a tourist destination. We get about three and a half million tourists a year. There was a brewery that recently moved from another place. They were in Guelph and decided to move to Collingwood because part of their strategy was we're going to open this brewery. We're going to open a big restaurant. People come to this town. What do they want to do? They want to sample the local beers. Well, guess what? This is a way of exposing our beer to a larger population by locating in something that was already a tourist destination. So it can actually cut both ways. So the whole thing you hear is, is if you've got something that you want to really tell the consumer, 
you know, about the quality of your product or the quality of your ingredients, what you want to try to do is make it a romantic, interesting story. Like they came across this Bavarian Purity Act and hung on that. And then being in the town of Cremor, they would just talk about the quaintness of the town of Cremor, which immediately translated into their product. Sure. I love it. And then they became big enough and prominent enough that Molson's came along and wrote him a big fat check and the rest was all history. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a big fat juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at the empirebuilderspodcast.com. <laughs>